0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Sticky Note Marketing. I am your host, Mary Zarnecki, and I am super excited this week to welcome our guest expert, Scott Moss. So if you don't know Scott, Scott is the founder and CEO of M Sales Growth Advisors and he is here today to share his expertise and advice when it comes to efficient operations, when it comes to your sales, right? So we're going to be focusing on the sales conversation. So if this is a important topic for what is most pressing for you, this is the episode for you. So welcome, Scott. So excited to have you here on Sticky
1: Note Marketing. Mary, thanks. I am thrilled to be on Sticky Note Marketing. <laughs> and, and I've got some sticky notes. I love it. Case. Yes, yeah, yeah, totally.
0: yeah. We uh, we're we're big office supply fans around here. So no doubt. (laughs) Well, hopefully our audience has their sticky notes ready because I know you have some great points that you want to share with us today. But before we get into uh, the goodies, I know there are some folks here who may be familiar with you and what you do. But for those who uh, don't know you, would you mind just introducing a little bit more about mSales and how you got to build the organization that you're running now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mary. And again, thanks for having me on the show. I've been I've been looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so a little bit of background. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh married, three kids, you know, twin boys who are twenty, a daughter who is twenty-three, an awesome wife, and a twelve year old uh dog who's pretty damn cool too. So if you hear her barking, I apologize. But uh my story's pretty simple. I graduated from college in ninety one from Syracuse, go orange, and got into sales. Uh, My first job was as a stockbroker for Dean Witter. So I learned how to sell by smiling and dialing. I picked up the phone, I called people during dinner hours, and I asked them to buy stocks and bonds from me. And I was really, really bad at it. And I just had, (laughs) I was really bad at it, but I learned how to sell and how to be resilient and take rejection and overcome and so I just kind of progressed my career. I worked for some larger companies in enterprise sales on the corporate side and grew into some sales leadership positions. Then in the early part of the 2000s, I switched gears and flipped on my entrepreneurial hat and started working for more tech startups, companies that you know were really more cutting edge, that were a lot more fun, less political, more agile, right? And my role there was typically to build their sales team, whether it was from scratch or whether it was to bring process to an existing sales team. But it was always about how to operationalize uh, the sales component so that these startups can scale. And that's what it's all about. Right. They want to increase the valuation, which means they need revenues in order to get revenues. They have a process. And that's where most startups have challenges. So I did that for a number of years. Until 2020, when the startup that I was with lost their funding, and you can do the math, it was April of, or February, actually, of 2020, right when COVID hit. So, of course, they lost their funding. And instead of going to work for another company, I figured I would just do my own thing. So, I started M Sales Growth Advisors on April 1st, 2020, and I called everybody that I knew, and I told them my story over and over again, and people said, you've got something here. And so I picked up a few clients, and what I do really is help them bring process, procedure, repeatability, so they can scale their organizations.
0: I love that. And it's so it's so refreshing to hear, too, that, you know, you weren't just naturally born doing this well, right? So, I mean, I think that <laughs> that, that gives people hope, right? So for those of you listening today who, you know, the idea of sales makes you cringe or you have a little bit of worry that maybe your sales team isn't quite functioning the way it's supposed to. Right there, There's opportunity for improvement.
1: <laughs> there, there is. There is absolutely opportunity. It is consistent learning. I mean, I have my own sales coach and I, and I tell my clients this, look, you know, I'm not here to, um, you know, put you under the gun and scrutinize every little thing you're doing. You know, I have my own sales coach. I have my own business coach. It's important to hear from other people to bounce your ideas off of them, to learn better ways to accomplish your goals, uh, specifically your sales goals.
0: Fantastic. Well, now when you're working with clients and I know you, you speak, you, you do obviously podcast guesting and you work Mm -hmm. with a variety of different clients and all of those experiences, what would you say is probably the most common mistake you're seeing teams make when it comes to actually putting that sales process into place?
1: Yeah, they don't, they don't know where to start. So the biggest mistake is we have a product. We think we have product market fit or a service. And um, they just start calling anyone that they think can use their product. Mm-hmm. And that's a big mistake because it's not very focused. And they don't have a process for that either. So there's, there's twofold. There's who is your ICP, ideal client profile. That's who you want to target. That's who you want to go after. But you have to have a guideline or a process or or even a playbook, a well-written playbook to, uh, to execute against so that your sales team has a roadmap. What do I do first? What do I do second? What do I do third, right? So once you have that, it makes it a lot easier to predict revenues, and to scale. So one of the issues is calling anyone they think can have a a use for their product. And the other is not having a process in place. But most time, founders don't know how to do it. They don't know where to start. They don't know what the first thing is that they should do when it comes to a sales strategy and a sales process. So I help a lot with that.
0: No, and I think that's so true. I mean, as a marketing consultant and coach, I, I hear that all the time. I'm really good at what I do, but that thing I right. do is not marketing, right? And I'm, I'm sure you're right. that thing I do is not sales, right? So now I have a sales team that I'm all of a sudden supposed to be guiding and leading. right? And so it sounds like that's that's one of the things that you can provide is actually helping people develop that playbook. So what does that look like? How do you even start developing that playbook?
1: Yeah. So I think what's really important first is to take inventory of what you currently have from a content perspective, from a technology perspective. And I say that, I mean, like a CRM. Mm -hmm. When I'm talking about content, I'm talking about case studies, I'm talking about white papers or infographics or blog posts or podcasts, because it's important for a business to show that they have the right to win Mm -hmm. in their given niche. And that kind of content that uh, the buyer will ultimately consume goes to set the stage as subject matter expertise and, and high credibility. And again, that right to win Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: in the industry niche. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you take inventory and you, you look at your existing client profile. If you, uh, if you have clients and you determine, do you like working with those types of clients? Are they profitable? Will those clients um, help your business grow? And if you can answer yes to those questions, then you kind of have the beginnings of an ideal client profile. And then you just go out and find them. You get a list of all those clients, and um, that's the you know kind of that first step. But you have to have a sales mission, and within the sales mission, it's not just about who you're going after. It's about what are you going to say to them? What's your messaging? What's your brand positioning and your value proposition statements, right? Um, And what does the buyer expect from you, right? And how can you approach the buyer with the right information at the right time so they consider you as a viable solution? So you really have to start with what I call documenting your sales mission. That is really step one. And those are some of the components that go into a sales mission from there, the rest of the plan can kind of fall into place. And and it's not rocket science. I tell people you, you have your sales mission, and then you have a team that aligns with your core values, and that can effectively communicate your value proposition to your ideal client. So you have your sales team alignment. Sometimes you have to look at your current team and make changes. Or if you're moving from founder-led sales to actual sales team-led sales, then you have to spin up a brand new sales team. So it's important that when you're doing that, you, again, have that concept of alignment and then you develop a process. You know, what does the sales team need to do first, second, and third? How are they going to approach the client, the potential clients? If they hear no, what's the next step? If they hear maybe, what's the next step? And how can you use a CRM to automate as much of that process as possible.
0: I love that last word, that automate, right? So mm. what do you see as some of the more, I don't know, new and fresh benefits of some of the new automations and AI and the new technology benefits that we have access to?
1: Yeah, yeah, so so first the, the basics, it's you know put together, uh, optimize your CRM so that it can run automated sequences to touch your clients, right? And that involves LinkedIn outreach, that involves phone calls. Yes, you do have to pick up the phone still. <laughs> that that involves email, but not email to sell, email to share knowledge and to inform. And that's really important because the more you try to sell an email, the less likely you are to land the client. Then there's the concept of the, the latest and greatest, right? AI, you know, chat GPT. How can you leverage those tools to create even higher levels of efficiency right mm-hmm. and you know i i kind of look at it in two different ways i i do have some issues solely relying on chat gpt and and those bots because it can tend they can tend to be verbose and they can tend to be similar from from one topic to the next so if you're going to use it i suggest using it as a starting point
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then reviewing the output, and personalizing it so that it speaks more about about your organization. More importantly, it speaks to the ICP because yeah. that's who it has to be about. It can't be about you. It's got to be about them. So if you're going to use chat GPT, fine, it can create some efficiencies, but don't solely rely on it. Yeah. Make sure you put eyes to the output and make the necessary adjustments. That's just my opinion. Yeah.
0: No, I think it's I think it's so true and I'm I'm definitely on that bandwagon, right? Is that it's okay. only as smart as what we give them, right? So if we if we have to do the work of figuring out like you said who is that ICP? Who is it that is the most valuable to us, but we're also the most valuable to them, right? We have this right to win with them. Yeah. Um and I think that's where I love I mean, obviously you're you're the sales expert, but people rely on me for marketing positioning and how what is our messaging all the time, and that's where I think that a lot of times, at least in the larger organizations I've worked with, there was the, there were these silos, right? Oh, sales is over there, and marketing's over there. But really, it needs to come together because it should help each other, right? If marketing is really does. doing its job, sales should be easier, right? It's not never easy, but easier. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> right. I, I like that. You bring up a great point. So when I was talking earlier about sales team alignment, you mm-hmm. know, we have to make sure that sales plays well with marketing and vice mm-hmm. versa. But also that sales plays well with delivery, mm. and, and that goes into how you're going to organize your sales team and and your departments so that they are actually you know they can work symbiotically, right? They can be in a collaborative environment. And a lot of people talk about uh, SLAs between marketing and sales, and then again between sales and delivery, and that's really important. the The more consistent. And the more um, comprehensive those SLAs are between those teams, will we'll make them more of a unit. And mm-hmm. that's and I and I call that you know a revenue team because they're all impacting revenue in one way or form at different points of the client life cycle, right? So marketing, top of the funnel, sales, middle to the bottom, and delivery, post sale. It's just so important for those folks to be aligned and on the same page. It's best for the client as well.
0: I think that's such an important thing, especially if you know you're you're a business leader here or even a division leader listening to this. You know, you have to really think across. There's this great um, framework that's called the uh, the. Uh, marketing hourglass or the the customer life cycle hourglass, you know, where it's uh-huh. marketing is focused on the, they have to know, like, and trust you, but then they have to try you, but then they have to buy you, which is, you know, sales domain. But then, like you said, customer service and delivery, the actual experience gets into, well, what about the delivering and then the referring, right? And all of these right. have to come together because I can send you leads but if they're unqualified leads or even if they're qualified but your team doesn't have like you were saying the the defined sales process of the playbook to know how to handle that
1: what do you do with all those leads right i run into that problem all the time you know i've got this big pipeline and i think they're qualified but i'm not 100 sure and my marketing team wants to know why we're not closing any of their deals any of the leads and well has, have marketing and sales worked together on ICP? Have they worked together on the plan? Have they developed a strategic follow-up mm-hmm. for all of those leads that are required? And what are they doing to report back to each other? So KPIs are really important as well. Yeah. And those KPIs have to be shared. It can't just be a KPI group for one team. You know, marketing has to be involved in KPIs as does delivery.
0: So. As you're working with some clients, you know you might be coming in as the the sales advocate, right, for the the sales team and helping right. them with their performance. If you're if if we've got a business owner or a business leader listening to this, and they're they're trying to figure out, okay, but how do I create or kind of set the stage for that unified conversation? What what would you recommend to them to really? You know, how what should they do to to set the stage for that kind of alignment between
1: those different parts of the organization? Sure. Well, I I think that first they all excuse me, they all have to have skin in the game, right? Mm -hmm. So marketing, sales, and delivery somehow have to be tied to company performance together. There needs to be shared goals. So I talked about shared KPIs. There needs to be shared goals as well. So a business leader needs to approach it that way. It's the in the best interest of the organization which is in the best interest of each of the departments and the teams that make up those departments, right? So that sets the stage. If everyone really believes that it's all about a revenue team and not just marketing and sales and delivery, that kind of um, what's called cultural setup will make it a hell of a lot easier, for those groups to to work as one unit. So that's where a business owner really needs to start. Shared goals, get the marketing leader, sales leader, uh, delivery leader on the same page and have them push it through to their teams. But having the shared concept is going to do wonders. I, I really believe that. And I've worked with clients on that.
0: That's fantastic. Now, you yeah. also mentioned earlier um, the sales mission and how important that is, especially mm. if you're growing your sales team, right? You're bringing in new people. You're trying to bring them into the culture and what you stand for. Can you talk a little bit about that, a little more about what that sales mission really does for the organization? Yeah.
1: So I, I describe the sales mission as the compass for the sales plan. It gives you direction. Okay. So if you don't have a really clear understanding of what industry niches you have the highest product market fit in. Um, if you don't understand within those niches the ICP, and when you look at ICP, it's it's ge- de- excuse me, geographics, demographics, and psychographics, mm-hmm. and then within the ICP, if you don't have a clear understanding of the buyer persona, not just their title, but how they make decisions, what their responsibilities are, what their typical challenges are. And then if you don't have value propositions that resonate, substantiate and differentiate, then you really don't have that compass, that direction to go. So when you bring all that together and then wrap it with KPIs and sales goals, now you at least have um, a driver, right? Mm -hmm. And, And companies talk about, well, what's my company's mission? Yes, you have to have that, but you also have to have a sales mission. And that should be an offshoot of the company mission, right? It mm-hmm. should encompass that. But the sales mission really has to be the driving force behind how you're going to grow the company from a revenues perspective.
0: So you'd recommend, let me, would you recommend having that set? Like if, you, if you're at that point where you know your sales team has to expand, would you recommend making sure that's set first before you start bringing in new people then?
1: Yes, a 100%. So the question I get oftentimes is, do I create my sales mission and my sales operations playbook Mm -hmm. before I bring in and hire a sales team or do I do it after? Mm -hmm. And it's always before. And the reason it's before is because you are setting your sales team up for greater success if you have that in place for them to execute from day one you don't want to wing it. (laughs) You don't want to wing it. And I am very process driven when it comes to sales Mm -hmm. and very much rely on a sales operations playbook for myself, my own business Mm -hmm. and for my clients. So I'm drinking my own Mm Kool-Aid and, and it does taste delicious, but it has to start first with what is it that they're going to do? I know I need to hire people, but when I hire them, I can't just like make it up on the fly it's got to be in place. Yeah.
0: I love it. So say someone's followed your advice, right? To the team, we've got those in place. When people are now starting to bring people on, what are some of the things that you would really encourage people to make sure that they're asking or looking for to make sure they're getting the right salespeople for their organization?
1: Sure. It, it always starts with values. I hire for values first Okay. And, and I do a lot of that for my clients. So I will help them write job descriptions and sales and comp planning and that's great and and you put all that out there but when you're interviewing it has to be about do they align with the personality of your business Mm -hmm. do they align with the personality of the people that are already there that exemplify your core values so it's all about playing well in the sandbox Mm -hmm. and that has to be the first thing you interview for so again Team alignment, do they align with your core values? Do they align with your company mission and vision? Do they align with the personality of your organization? If it's on the sales team, do they view it from a revenue perspective? Marketing, sales, delivery, will they buy into that concept? Or are they that lone wolf that just wants to put their head down and make sales? That's not what we want. So that's first. Then we look at sales skills. Then we look at, do they have a provable track record? Have they hit quota? Um, Do they know the right questions to ask? Are they consultative or are they just trying to sell stuff? We don't want people to try to sell stuff. The reason is that buyers don't like to be sold. I was listening to one of your podcasts a little bit ago, and I think one of your guests said, Sales sometimes has that slimy feel of like used car salespeople because they're always trying to sell you something mm-hmm. and they're trying to sell you the warranty and the undercoding and the everything else. But that's not the way it works. It, it has to be about how we can provide value to the buyer because they don't want to be sold. They want to match their problem with our solution and feel that they've made the best decision for them and their company. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's so important. Like you said, I mean, in marketing, we're always trying to do that in our messaging and our communications is TF, yeah. the idea that you have a problem that you want to solve. We have that solution, but so often it can be missed then in that next part of the conversation where, oh, we have to make our quota. We have to make our sales number. Great. So I love <clears throat> that emphasis on really making sure there's that value fit and alignment yeah. as you're bringing people
1: on. Yeah, that so, has to be it. A-
0: I know one last question I got from the community that I definitely want to ask for those founders who have all been doing the sales themselves, right? They've been the brain maker, They've been the one bringing in the sales. Yep. And now they're at the point of transition. What are some of the landmines or traps or, or hurdles that you might want people to be aware of as they're yeah. at that, that transition from founder-led sales?
1: The hardest thing that I've seen for founders to do is let go and trust that the people they're going to hire are going to do the job. If you hired the right way, the way we kind of talked about, um, then you have to let those people do their job. Founders cringe at the thought, and I'm one of them, cringe at the thought of someone not doing it the way they do it, Right? right? So, well, why did you ask him that question? Well, because it got me the answer that I wanted. Well, I would have asked the question this way, I hear from founders. But it doesn't matter, the result was the same. And founders can't impress upon their sales team to do it the same way that they've done it, right? The salespeople are there for a reason and they'll be trained and coached and mentored, right? And they'll have all the tools they need to succeed. The founders need to let go of that and get to the point of really uh, strategically working on their business instead of, as the saying goes, in the business, right? So that's a huge challenge to kind of step away and let the sales team, the revenue team do their job.
0: I love it. So trust the experts that you've brought into the organization. That's
1: right. Trust the experts that you brought in. Otherwise, you're going to alienate them and they're going to leave and you're going to have this horrible turnover thing. And then you're just going to be stuck in neutral.
0: Yeah. And we've never seen that before, right?
1: No, (laughs) never.
0: Well, fantastic. Thank you, Scott, so much for joining us today. I hope all of you listening and watching have filled up those sticky notes because Scott basically gave you a a pretty good recipe for getting started with success when it comes to sales and operations efficiency. So Scott, if people uh, obviously had some answers gotten from you today, but have more questions and want to connect with you further, what's the best place for them uh, to connect with you online?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking, Mary. Um, It's my website. So I'll give you my address is um, msalesgrowth.com. Feel free to email me directly at scott.moss at msalesgrowth.com. And I will respond accordingly.
0: Fantastic. And wherever you're watching or listening to this episode, we'll make sure to include those links and ways to connect with Scott as well. So thank you, Scott, so much for joining us today.
1: Mary, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.
0: Terrific. For all of those of you listening, thanks for joining us. And I will see you on the next episode of our guest expert series. Take care.